Welcome, welcome to uh, Visual Insights. Uh, this is, um, I don't know what, how many so far, but this is a series we've been doing in this time. Uh, for you that don't know me, uh, my name is Harrison. Uh, my, the company I'm with is Slow the Game Down, and I'm also the director of uh, training for neurodynamic vision. I've been training visual performance skills for 20 years and learned all from uh, my father, Dr. Bill Harrison, who started in the 70s working with uh, pro baseball players, golfers, tennis players, a variety of different athletes on the visual aspect of the game. And today we got a, uh, a family friend and a sports vision optometrist, someone who also has been doing it, spends more time in golf, um, and Craig Farnsworth, Dr. Craig Farnsworth, known as the putt doctor. Craig has written a couple books, um, and one's called See It and Sink It, and the other one's The Putting Prescription. He also has a website called The Putt Doctor, and it's awesome to uh, have a friend, a uh, family friend, and uh, a fellow sports vision guy, Dr. Craig Farnsworth, on with us today. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Big time. You know, the more I listen to you on these podcasts, the more you sound like your father, so it's exciting. <laughs> Both yeah, I, in I voice and content. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, being around him, uh, you know, I, I got to hear it every day, and, and as a kid, I probably never listened to it. But as I got older, I figured out, hey, my dad might know something. And uh, we, we had a, a pretty good fun run for the last 20 years uh, working with all different kinds of athletes. Learned a lot from them. Yeah, well, as you know, as a parent, they start listening and thinking you know something sometime in their early 20s, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I got my two boys, and uh, I don't yeah. know anything around them. Good kids. Yeah. So let's, um, you know, for people who are uh, participants here, uh, please stay on mute. And as you guys have been on before, there is a chat down there. If you have any questions, uh, whether it's sports vision related, golf related, or any other sport related, uh, love to uh, try to answer those questions as well as we get through this. Craig, uh, give us a little history of you and, um, you know, where you came from, uh, how you got into optometry, sports vision, and, and now as a, the putt doctor. Sure. I um, obviously was always interested in sports, mainly because my dad ended up being a golf pro, but he was also a quite well-known golfer in Indiana. So I used to caddy for him, and um, uh, from that caddying, felt there was a love for golf, and so I jumped into that. And uh, I'd say the number one scenario was that uh, I knew when I went to college and, and uh, joined this one fraternity that was my father's fraternity, that uh, I would be bringing a lot of players home uh, or golfers home from the fraternity. And so I thought maybe that would help me be somewhat of a big shot, even though I was only a freshman. So it worked out fine. A lot of them came home during the summertime and helped me mow the, the grass along with my brother and dad. And then we'd go out and play 18 to 36 holes a day in the afternoon. So um, parlay that into uh, getting drafted and doctor's draft, Vietnam War. And I met someone uh, around the bar scene a few times named Dr. Bill Harrison. And we uh, struck I, up I didn't a think you ever went to the bar. What's it? <laughs> I didn't know we went to well, we, did, we didn't drink. We just sat there and acted like we belonged. So um, eventually, uh, your dad started uh, pretty much the key person to start the sports vision section for the American Optometric Association by pulling together top optometrists doing sports vision, actually more visual training, 
uh, in the um, middle 70s, and we started testing the Olympic athletes on their visual skills. And your dad was instrumental in doing that, which later became sports festivals, and the optometric community was first and foremost in testing these athletes' visual skills, finding out a lot of things about how vision related to performance. So uh, from that, um, we touched base on and off for quite a while, and then we ended up uh, working uh, together, trying to get something going in uh, television, comic books, you name it, <laughs> all the stuff we blew all our money on, okay, uh, from loans to uh, cash at hand. But um, we connected quite a bit through uh, your love of baseball, and um, you brought me in to work with the Royals and some guy named Bo. I uh, got to spend uh, several hours with Bo Jackson working with him on visual skills. Um, obviously, some guy named Rambo or Mike Diaz. Um, I remember working with him on a uh, bicycle. He was going to town and telling me, you know, I always get to this certain point uh, minutes-wise, and then I hit the wall. So I said, well, have you ever thought about getting outside your body and doing things? And he goes, I think I know where this is leading. So we spent probably another half an hour to 45 minutes just giving him visual drills and being in the moment. And he said, I've never lasted that long. So he said, now I realize that visual skills have a lot to do with physical endurance, not just visual endurance. So on and on from that, we uh, did the Cubs, uh, the um, uh, trying to think of who else I was down there with, uh, the Royals. Okay. And um, obviously, fun time spending time with some of the great athletes in the in the era yeah you know the the thing is uh, in, about my dad and and you spent a lot of time with him in those years um he was doing stuff that was fairly groundbreaking it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't talked about and even today it's probably fairly groundbreaking as well yeah and um you know you know the word sports vision or vision training or vision therapy or you know, it, it's, it's a word that um, should mean a lot more, but for some reason, you, you know, and, and you deal this with the golfers, we deal this with the baseball players, whatever sport it is, they tend to go to the physical, they tend to go to maybe the mental, but they get away from what understanding that vision is such a huge important part of their game. And if they can learn how to control that, they can hope you know obviously succeed from what you know you've seen it i've seen it um but what do you think why do you think some of the reasons that people don't spend more time on the visual aspect of the game well i think that um when you look at golf magazines you look at a lot of what comes out it's so much more on the skill of how to hold a bat how to swing uh and very few times do they realize that most sports are visual sports. And so they assume that because there's some, you can see and you can catch a ball occasionally and occasionally you can hit a ball, that your eyes are fine. And so, uh, yeah, they've sent people into eye doctors, they come out seeing 2015, don't need glasses, things are fine. So they don't understand the difference between eyesight and vision. So eyesight being reading clearly a, a, a chart and seeing clearly, uh, vision takes in a lot more and puts the rest of the map uh, together. And so very few people even 
that work on visualization, for example, understand the accuracy of visualization and that just giving it a word and a um, brush off seems to be all they're used to doing. And, and as you know from optometry, uh, we've developed visual skills and visualization accuracy, which is important to use the skill consistently and under pressure. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I know my experience is everyone wants that magic pill. Do I see or do I not see it? You know, in fact, yeah. I got a call uh, of a young baseball player's father called me and said, I think he needs to have LASIK surgery because he's not he's swinging a miss on the ball. And it's like, well, wait, well, wait a minute. There, don't just go to that quick fix. We got to do LASIK. Now I'm not saying LASIK is wrong for him, but let's, let's go down the, the chapters and let's say, why does he need LASIK? Does he, is it really a clarity issue? Is it a comfort level of his lenses or glasses? Or does he have visual skill issues that aren't coordinating with his eye-hand coordination? Right. Uh, you know, there's so much variety of different things to it. It's not as simple as, oh, let's just get, let's put glasses on him and he can see again. Right. Well, it comes back really into the uh, early 1960s when an optometrist actually tested the Cincinnati Redlegs. And that was the first time that uh, anything had pub been published on vision and baseball. And he found there were three levels of baseball players' visual skills. The pitchers, if there's pitchers involved, sorry, they were generally the lowest of the visual skills in related to abilities. And the next category were the batters. They were better than the pitchers in terms of the visual skills that he tested them on, such as peripheral awareness, you know, uh, speed of recognition, eye hand, blah, blah, blah. Then there was a third category, which was a category that was better than all the rest. And he deemed that the Frank Robinson category because there was one player, the superstar on the team, that had better visual skills than anybody else. And so he reported this and it started making people aware that, hey, uh, great athletes have to have great visual skills, not just visual acuity. And so he, I think, was a catalyst in getting us all to appreciate more of why vision was important in sports, almost any sport. Yeah, you know, here's a funny story off that. Uh, Joe Morgan was part of that team. And um, I saw Joe Morgan, um, I don't know how many years ago, but it, it's been a while, it's probably 10 years ago, um, and was talking with Joe Morgan. And he wanted to learn a little bit more what the, my dad did and we did. And he's going, oh, yeah, I remember we got tested. He goes, I used to use, and you got to forgive me, you know the machine. There was a, a depth perception uh, device um, I can't think of the name of what it's called, but that the, the uh, you know, it was a big machine uh, that they had to carry with the, the, the cards on the end. Right. And he goes, right. yeah, we used to, I used to use that every night. He goes, but, but it broke. And then once it broke, I didn't know what else to do. And it, it just took up so much you know, time and energy from him. But he goes, if you got something better, he goes, I don't know why every player, every athlete should, should be doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, um, a guy that came to me once we had opened this big facility in Denver and in the Denver Post or I guess the Rocky Mountain News did almost a whole page on our facility. We had 25 foot ceilings, trampolines, everything else. And this one guy came in and he said, by the way, I um, was kind of exposed to this with this Royals. And um, I look back now and I really poo-pooed it 
but look at the guys that jumped into this from Frank White and Patek and some guy named George Brandon and um, um, on and on. He started naming six, seven guys that jumped into it full time. He said, Who's the best players on the team. He said, I can't believe that um, I was so stupid to realize that I had all the answers when those guys got better and I didn't. So I, I said, I well, get this. in doing anything. He said, well, not really. I'm out of baseball now. I just wanted to come in and tell you how stupid I was. <laughs> okay. That's funny. I, I get people saying all the time, uh, man, where was this when I was playing? I said, you know what? It was there. You just weren't ready for it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people after their careers, whatever sport it is, they go, they start looking back and start going, what was important and what were some of the things that would have made them a difference? And, you know, you probably see that a lot in golf is, you know, the difference a lot of times in any sport is how that visual input gets to the brain and how you react to it. And if you're giving trash information into the visual input or blurred visual, you know, blurred and not from a, from a clarity, but blurred into not clean information, the results aren't going to be there. Yeah, I think people real uh, think, especially golfers. So, by the way, as you know, your dad and I have tested and been involved with the Olympics, and I think I've worked with 20-some different sports, even at the Olympic Training Center. But of all the sports I've worked with, golf seems to be the furthest behind when it comes to visual skills because it's supposedly not a reactionary sport like following the dynamics of a ball that they don't realize that it is reactionary in terms of what you perceive beforehand, as well as if we just mention one thing only, and that's being in the moment, and what system gives you more visual uh, or ability to be in the moment than the visual system. And the reason most people give it a, a only lip service is because their visual skills don't, aren't enduring enough to last for that long or to be able to turn it on and turn it off so they get self-distracted and they wonder why they can't be in the moment. And I ask players, how many times do they do drills off the field that relate to being in the moment? And you know what the answer is, of course. <laughs> yeah. Big zero. Yeah, and we talk a lot about that, like, visual focus. And, and you know, again, when people ask me all the time, you know, well, how does this relate to – you know, soccer, what does it relate to softball? What does it relate to race car driving? You know, I always look, can you play with a blindfold on? And what is that visual demand that is required to, to, to do that sport? And they're very different in, in every single sport where golf doesn't have that eye-hand reactionary uh, like, like you would get from hockey goalies or baseball, but it is a lot about that visual focus, how you concentrate, how you control your your visualization skills. And, you know, again, I kind of joke around and I say this and I'll probably get myself in trouble. Visualization is visual. It's not mentalization. And we all think it's, you know, sports psychology, but there's a mix and, and they all interact. And, you know, again, even as I bounce around here, physical ability, visual ability, and mental ability, they all cross over, but they all work together when we get them all, um, you know, peaking at, at, at at peak velocities, I guess would be a way to say it. But even, um, you know, going back, um, you know, Ray Carrasco, you know, someone we know together on there. And Ray won the Senior European um, uh, Championship. And he talks a lot about how he used his eyes to get him through because he was so physically fatigued at the time. He had to learn how to control his visual focus. 
Um, and I, I know you and I know a lot of stories about Jim Colbert together too. And, and even Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods was a very good visualizer, but I imagine that's some of the success that you see with some of the golfers are the ones that are really good at learning how to picture and control their picturing. Right. Well, we've done enough testing on athletes from, you know, Tony Dorsett to Kiki Vandeweghe, the Nuggets at the time that, that led the, uh, the Nuggets in scoring to, um, uh, some guy named Michael Jordan and uh, Nick Faldo, for example, and every one of them that were an elite athlete that we tested had two skills that related to performance. One was motor skill and the other was visual skill. And we found zero athletes that were in the elite level that didn't have great visual skills. Now, did they train it? Not all of them. Uh, they were lucky to acquire it or work on certain things that built their visual skills early and uh, or were fortunate to have accuracy of things uh, into the brain, uh, not by anything but chance, but they made good use of it and expounded on it and blew it up to elite proportions. Yeah, um, there's a question here, but uh, a couple thoughts. I'm going to manipulate this a little bit. How important is visual accuracy in, in the game of golf? And, and when I talk about visual accuracy, um, we, <laughs> this is hard. We all think we see. We all think we're accurate of what we see. But, but as you know through experience, see the, we don't all see the same thing. We all have different judgments. We all have different line judgments. We all have different depth, depth judgments. Um, what, 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 you know, visual, visual skills, what do you think in golf and, and how that acts and how you can get better at it? Yeah, you know, your dad and I had a saying, almost everything we do begins with what we see and what we perceive. And we know that perception of everybody is uh, uh, individual uh, or it's our truth, as we say, no matter what you think, it's your truth and what I think is my truth. So a lot of times they don't overlap. Uh, but in the case of uh, perception for golf, not only do we see players, uh, when they look at a target far away, see it clearly, but project it to the left or right of where it actually is, or especially short or long. And so we have a fun little test that we do with uh, groups, like I was at a, a ladies group a while ago. So they wanted to know what this has to do with them and their, and their play. And so I had them all stand up and face each other. And so one would pick out who was going to go first of the two. And their job was to take a look at their buddy, close their eyes, reach out, and touch the tip of your buddy's nose gently. Okay. You can't do and, that anymore. And then, you know, they're only about an arm's length away and yet realize that's a visualization. Yeah, they did it with their eyes closed, but visually they had to project where that target was in space. So we know that 90 plus percent of the players do not project accuracy in space. They see the whole left and short or right and long. And so they're always putting to an illusion unless they develop visual skills or they play enough to be able to learn how to compensate. But most players don't realize that when they hit a ball short, uh, they knew it feel good, felt good, but ended up much shorter than what they thought. And they think it becomes technique. And so now we work on technique, 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 and we forget about perception. So, yeah, I mean, that happens in, that happens in baseball, happens in all sports. But, you know, everyone, what I was telling in, 
you know, the baseball softball world, they all go to their mechanics first. Whenever they're not perfect, they go to their mechanics first. And when they're in that field mode and when they're in the mechanical mode, they don't see very well. And, you know, even going back and and talking to all these great athletes of all different sports, you always ask them or, or see it on TV. When you're at your best, what are you thinking about? Nothing. What are you feeling? Nothing. How well do you see things? I see things really, really good. Things are clear, slow. Um, and when you struggle, you're thinking about everything. Uh, you feel horrible, stiff, nothing feels right. And you don't see very well. And it's not about clarity. It's about how you're controlling the systems and, and what you're going to. All right. Well, we asked players what the basic skill like for chipping or pitching and well, it's, it's grip, stance, alignment, you know, it's a technique thing. And I say, how about if I tell you the basic skill starts with eye-hand coordination, starts with visualization, starts with uh, target accuracy, where do you want to land it, and is that accurate? It's amazing how many don't realize that to be a, a great chipper, you've got to have basic skills. And you don't develop them just by chipping. Yeah, and, and picturing, you know, it's so powerful. And I always bring this up too, is, you know, we can picture negative stuff and that is powerful in oh, a bad yeah. way. And as know, whether, yeah. And, and, you know, it's even from a golf standpoint, don't hit the ball in the water. You know, all you picture is ball going in the water. What are you telling your brain to do? Yeah. Go hit the ball in the water. Yeah. I actually try and have my players that really get into it more than just basic. I can't, I'm going to put better. I want to do this or that. I try and get them to do a diary. And I ask them, even in daily life, if you can spend one day a week at the end of the day taking a look at how many times you had a negative thought versus a positive thought, number one. Then number two, how many times you'd replace that negative thought or did you just jump right in and hope that it didn't influence what you did? And how many times do you really sit down after the day like that or after a performance and try and replace every negative with the positive as opposed to leaving the scene of the crime with a bad picture. And so if we did some little things like positive diaries or get them to appreciate, uh, all right, I'm going to do three holes and I'm going to try and monitor every time that I get a negative picture, I'm going to replace it. Or can I just go out and have nothing but good pictures for three holes? We're starting a lot better into what we'd like to get them to do. Yeah. You know, um, I get a lot of thoughts in my head. I'm trying to keep them under control in this conversation. (laughs) But I had a buddy tell me um, a college softball coach was talking to their college golf coach and asking about technology and all the different technology they're using. And he looks at him and goes, you know what? He goes, we got all this great technology. Everyone's using it. He goes, but we're horrible golfers. We have no ability to feel. We have no ability to, to adjust because they're so worried about the, the, what the data says. And this happens in baseball and softball and tennis and hockey and everything. But I'm going to add to this. I, I had two pro golfers um, that I won't name but, um, you know, they're really interested in that visual component of the game, but on lip service only. Because yeah. you, when they talk about it, they want to go back. But if I don't have my hands right, if I don't get my stance right, if I don't do this, I can't, I can't even think about seeing. And, you know, my clubs aren't, aren't fit right right now. So I'm really more worried about my fit of my clubs than worried about 
what I'm focused on. How yeah. do you, how do you deal with some of those things or, or thought process there? Well, that's a good one. And ad infinitum, they just keep going and going. And if you think about it, they're trying to perfect everything. And we try and get them to, to put together a little of the physical, which is important, whether it lessens and, and even dry firing. How about going through your swing multiple times in front of a mirror without a ball, et cetera. And then how much time do you spend, even if it's on the practice tee, working on performance skills as to how to think? So as you know, when we work with centering and, and uh, concentration, centering is deciding on which uh, a sensory system you're going to use. Is it going to be physical? Is it going to be mental, visual, uh, tempo, et cetera? And have you decided on that before every shot? And then concentration is, can you stay there for a second or two, okay, which most cannot. And so I try and get them to start dividing their practice into both. And if we sit there and look at, all right, you got 10 people on the back of this range, how many of them are working on their physical skills and, and how-tos or mechanics? And how many are working on performance skills now that you have a little idea what we're talking about with performance skills? Well, you know, it's either 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 are constantly trying to perfect their swing and don't really get into the mental aspect other than maybe going through a routine. So yeah, and I, I think, think you brought something up there centering. I want to add to it. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, what it comes down to is we think as humans that we can focus on everything, that we can focus on everything and control everything. But the reality is we can't. And you're right. We have to center. We have to decide, you know, is today a physical practice? Is today a mental practice? Is today a visual practice? And, and figure out where, where to go from there. Yeah. And, and at least – I have my players write down, what are you going to practice? How much time are you going to spend? What are you going to focus on, mechanical or performance or both? And then what have you learned and, and write down what, what you felt, what you learned that you could carry forward as opposed to think you're going to remember it and that's it. And we've got a guy on here named Earl Svenningson. So uh, I want to tell Earl that, believe it or not, I found an old video from uh, Channel 4 in Denver, Earl, of you talking about working with me in Sports Vision. And it was really cool to see uh, back then. Uh, we looked a little younger than uh, I think, uh, now, but uh, <laughs> it was fun to listen to you talk about some of the stuff that we used to do. So let you know I haven't forgotten about you. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, and that kind of goes back, you know, what I said at the beginning is Sports Vision is not new. Some people think it's new. It's just they don't know how to they, – they never knew how to answer, you know, ask the right question. But going back on the optometric side of things, and I know you had your office in Denver and don't practice anymore, and my dad had his practice. Um, but, you, you know, for any optometrist that's listening, what's your recommendation or do you have any thoughts of, of the idea of sports vision or how they get involved in it or what they should reach out and learn or not learn, anything like that? Yeah, well, I've seen Ivan Groupie, one of my old buddies, basketball buddies from Denver's on. And, um, you know, he sent me some students. But I would say if uh, anything, going to uh, classes and learning visual training as a basis uh, is good because taking what you I used to and your dad used to do yeah, for the kids and upping it quite a few levels uh, is helpful. And so I would get involved with local um, uh, study groups, and uh, there's plenty of sports vision 
um, lectures around that they can access and go in national meetings. And certainly, like I get a lot of instructors that come and watch me teach, um, go, and, go into someone's um, uh, physical plant and uh, just be a bug on the wall for a while. See if you like this, see if it's important enough, which we think it is, to expand your practice. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, for the people that are out there, there is kind of what I look at as, as kind of roles. You have your doctor sports vision person. You also have your trainer sports vision. And you have your coach sports vision. There, there's kind of a role for every single one of them that it's hard to do all three, as you know. Um, and, you know, even for my dad, he kind of separated a lot of those things because you couldn't bunch everything together because it just took too much time and energy. But, you know, we're, there is, you know, a great opportunity. Athletes need to have vision as part of their, uh, their, their realm. And as a doctor, um, the doctor should be the beginning of understanding that this is a demand that could be looked at. Um, you know, we, we are working on education programs and we will have more education programs and, and what we call academy.ndv performance and where we're going to have lessons for the doctors to help set them up. We'll have lessons to have golf. We'll have lessons for baseball. We'll have lessons for how do you deal with kids and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of a goal is, you know, taking all, you know, stuff that you've done from the beginning, from my dad from the beginning, and really try to, try to make this, you know, where people want it, it's, it's going to be there every single time and not just to the great athletes, but to all different athletes. Well, yeah, you do even know that we did a lot of work with the uh, armed forces uh, elite commandos yeah. and uh, it was amazing. It took us only eight years to get them to convince them that shoot, move and communicate was not as basic as uh, eye hand coordination, target accuracy, concentration, visualization, etc. So uh, uh, wheels move slow everywhere, but once they uh, got, got it, okay, uh, they put everyone through the visual skills. And I mean, we've got a um, skill drills that are that thick that they use and apply in different ways. Plus they have all the equipment and uh, probably a good place to go back in and, uh, and update them. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I've been going through a bunch of old documents. In fact, I just pulled up today. I've seen it, um, the, the 1972 uh, Kansas City Royals vision training book that my dad created for them, <laughs> for the wow. players. Wow. And there's well, still some, I mean, I, I go through that. And I'm like, wow, you were doing this stuff back then? This stuff yeah. is amazing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. one of the things that we gave was uh, – you know, and your people can do that too, is we put uh, random numbers, uh, I don't know if you all can see that yep. or not, yep. on three panels. And not all the numbers from one through uh, 60 were on one, then two, then three, but sometimes it could be one, two, and one, then three in the next, four, five in the next. So you could alternate them and move them around, whatever. But this little three panel, find the number, call it out, touch it before you go from one, two, three. That simple little test, and you, we've got them a lot more, um, shall we say, updated and, and special than this silly thing. But one test defined the special forces. And a general was watching me do this test, and he goes, 
you know, we don't have to do anything more right now. I don't even know if we need you guys. You've given us the test that we can weed out people. We don't even need to, if they can't pass this test, we're not even going to have them in the, in the, well, I'm not going to mention the name, but in the commandos. I said, I know, no, General, you know, this is a test that we do, but we, there's not one of these skills that we can't develop and make better. That's the point we're trying to make, not just the visual skills are important. And he goes, oh, no, no. I said, that, you know, this is, this is amazing. I said, well, why did you say that? He said, well, I'm looking at all the numbers, and the guy that went through and got this in a little less than two minutes, all 60 numbers, is our best commando. The guy that took six minutes to find 60 numbers is our worst commando. Now, don't get me wrong. He's still good, but he brings up the rear. We don't want him in the front leading the pack. And so there's part of what you get into is that you don't realize people can develop visual skills. He just yeah, thinks that goes, or you don't. To, uh, you know, the thought process, what is that visual demand of that athlete or that person? And, and that eye movement challenge that, that uh, military had – is huge and those can be created and sometimes you know again it can be clarity might be the issue why someone is not as good as the best okay let's fix that or it might be some skill sets tight eye muscles whatever visual processing skills that can be cleaned up or it might be just the tactical way that they go about using their eyes to perform the task at hand i was yeah. listening to a um a coach talk and it, it bothers me i i, I shouldn't say too much about this but but he was like oh yeah we do vision training uh we do the software and i'm like i just have to roll my eyes because they think it's this one little thing that's going to make the difference if they do a software program they're going to get there now i'm not saying don't do the software program right. but we gotta find out what those you know whether it's a golfer whether it's a baseball player you know whether it's a race car driver what can we do to enhance that visual skill to make them successful yeah. not in a one one stop shop situation we had a suspended ball in our laboratory and this same gentleman that said he he should have done what george brett did at the with the kansas city royals he said can you do a couple tests he i'm out of baseball but just do do one test so i said okay so i had him with a dowel stick and i had him take a look at the ball and we moved it to different vertical positions okay take a look close your eyes swing like you would you have to swing when the ball's out in space so we determined that at a letter high fastball, he saw the ball so much lower that he was lucky to get the bat on it at all, letter high. So I said, okay, so now that I've done some testing, you can open your eyes. Uh, um, after each one, I'd, I'd have him open his eyes, but didn't get to see what he did. And I said, so bottom of the ninth, three and two, man on uh, third, man on second, um, you've got a 3-2 pitch coming to you, and he throws a letter-high uh, fastball with two outs, bottom of the ninth, what would you do? He goes, oh, God. He said, I, knew, uh, he said, I, I hope they're going to call it a ball because I can't hit the damn thing. <laughs> I said, so if you hit it, what do you do, pop it up? He goes, yeah, how did you know? I said, well, because you see the ball here when the ball is actually here, and the best you're going to do is pop it up. He goes, see, I told you I was stupid. I told you I should have done this stuff. <laughs> you can train that, can't you? And I said, yes, we can. That's yeah. why we're here. So, it, it is amazing. Um, I mean, I still think, how do I do this? And I learned, obviously, everything from my dad. But it's like, you can decide what kind of a golfer someone is, what kind of baseball player, what kind of a, a driver, whatever it is. You can see that 
you can you see some visual deficiencies deficiencies and you say oh you're not good at this 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 especially under pressure and they look at you and go how do you know that and it's like well that's how your eyes function what yeah. do you mean well the, the the reason you're struggling with that certain play or that certain you know uh, throw or that certain like in fact um, again we can jump all over but I had an NFL quarterback and um, this is a um, actually it's a concussion related visual issue. And I said, you're, you're throwing short. You think the guy, or no, you're throwing over guys, aren't you? You're, you think he's, uh, they're further away than they actually are. And he looks at me and goes, how do you know that's my problem? You've been watching film? And I said, no, this is how you see. And this is how, how what's going on. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I had this play. He goes, my mechanic, I know my mechanics were right. Everything was perfect. I couldn't understand why I was off. He goes, this makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. no, I, it's amazing when you watch players and you test them. And we do a little test where we have them take a look at a target out in space, know their dominant eye, and then um, we have them look and point, and then we have them open their dominant eye and take a look. It's amazing how many of them are short. In fact, we did with Hideki Matsuyama. He wondered why he could never get the ball with a cup for putting. I mean, he was hardly a halfway from a 40-foot but he saw things so much closer. It's amazing how much, how good he was based on just knowing he had to hit the ball harder than he normally did or put uh, with more energy. But uh, even so working with him on visualization accuracy got him to be a lot better consistency with his longer putting and uh, his first five putts the next week were beyond the cup. Yeah. <laughs> and a guy that was working with me said, I don't think he's seen that side of the cup in a, in a, a year's time. So uh, <laughs> it's amazing how we perform based on our perceptions. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, one thing, and you bring it up there, it, if you see the cup shorter, you're going to probably be short, but also then to, to adjust more times as you say, okay, I got to hit the ball harder. And that yeah. doesn't you know, always work yeah. either. Yeah, and then the ball goes off the green and you go, well, you hit it harder. <laughs> Not yeah. very specific, but you did. So from a, from a golf standpoint, if you take – obviously putting is huge. And um, I, I personally don't play enough golf. I wish I had enough time to do it. Um, and when I do play, my buddies get mad at me because I putt pretty well. And I don't practice my putt. I just know how to control my focus and how to control my anxiety and all those things. But what would you kind of, um, you know, see that most golfers are missing when it comes to the visual component on the putting green? Well, uh, as you know, um, the visual focus is not there. It's amazing when I have players put down what their routine is for practice how many of them do you think include mental other than routine? And so I try and get them to realize if they would divide their practice into, again, uh, some mechanics without a ball, without a cup, please, and then some visualization of mechanics with the ball. And then how about switching from uh, mechanics to can you just talk to me about uh, – uh, what you're going to do for the day is you're putting some five footers around the cup. It's amazing how many of them they make and how much better they are at distance control when they're just talking away and not thinking mechanics. So that is one part. The other part we like is uh, 
getting them to appreciate that if they leave the pin in and they look up the pin, for example, if they're way short, does that help them with speed control? And uh, we also have them look off to the side. So their ball's here and the cup is over here. So they're on the low side. And I ask them to point with their finger or their putter to the ball and then visualize how long it's going to take for the ball to get from a, uh, at rest position to getting to the cup at the right speed. So the ball's going to be a foot or so beyond the cup. And it's amazing how many of them have no clue, including tour players. I've never done that in my life. Who does that? And I'm going, well, most of my good players really do that because I ask them that I, if peak athletic performance is almost always characterized by having a clear, accurate picture before you do it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. What's your picture? So I'd say, and we had a discussion on Facebook not too long ago, that the number one thing players leave out of their routine is visualization. It's amazing how quickly they jump to the mechanics once they miss a time or two and forget to put the all-important predecessor in. So I'm also big on that. Yeah, so if I was um, a betting man and I had to go, go face some PGA guys on the putting green, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, cause people always ask me this question. So it's, it's, what is, um, what's the one thing I need to, to be better <laughs> or to compete? What's, what's the one thing that's going to make the difference in my game that's going to get me to the next level. And, you know, my answer is it's not one thing obviously, but, but what, what you have any, uh, any cool little, I mean, no secrets necessarily, but, but fun things that you do that um, help people get and understand that, oh, yeah, if I do this, this will help, help me tremendously. Yeah, I, I'd say we start with consistency of setup. So uh, I put a little parallax drill down with a couple of uh, uh, yardsticks, and they're all lined up perfectly, and then I get the player to get over the ball, and he's to tell me where are his eyes, as he can see in the mirror on the ground, that these two yardsticks that are apart by about that far, and they're, you know, three feet long, where do they look like they're pointing at each other instead of offline? And move your eyes back and forth and tuck your chin up and down. Where does it seem to be that those are aligned and that parallax is not a problem? And um, I say, if you just had a consistency of your visual setup in terms of the distance of the ball, um, the placement of the ball in your stance and your eyes in relationship to the ball, we're off to a great start. And I'd start with that more than anything. Yeah. Awesome. So I pulled up today uh, an article that you're familiar with um, in June of 1975 golf magazine, Jim Colburn and Dr. Bill Harrison. <clears throat> and these are By the way, the first time that was ever written on the routine was with your father. <laughs> And this is stuff I know over time and everything like this, but I, I'm going to go through these questions. Um, and, and for everyone who's listening, think about it, whatever sport you're playing or whatever task you're doing, but um, I'm going to play it from a golf standpoint. When you were not thinking, when you, let's see, when you were playing well, you were not thinking about what your body was doing, true or false. You had a clear visual picture of the shot before you played it, true or false. Random or negative thoughts do not intrude during the stroke. True or false. You felt relaxed and confident. True or false. 
you had a high visual awareness of the ball or the target, true or false. Your mind was in the present, true or false. On the other side, when you were playing badly, you started thinking about your hands, your body, or the mechanics of the swing, true or false. Your centering went into your touch system and you began feeling your way through the swing, true or false. You have no clear picture either of how or you were, or how you were going to execute the shot or the shot itself, true or false. You were confused, true or false. You began to get tense, true or false. You tried to compensate and either overswing or start guiding the club, true or false. You realize that's 1975, how <laughs> appropriate that is now? Huh? I, I mean, was your dad ahead of his time? I, I mean, think especially in baseball with all the mechanic stuff that's going on and the launch angle and this, and, and I'm thinking all these instructors out there are talking about all these things about how you got to get your, uh, in fact, I heard today, hip hinge and this and that. And I'm like, but they're getting away from all this other stuff. Yeah. And, and it goes back to the inner game of tennis. So it goes back to, you know, great athletes and what do great athletes do? And they are high, have a heightened visual awareness whether they practice that on the course, off the course, whether they need training to, to get them there, um, or they figure it out on their own. Some figure it out on their own, but it's such a huge part of the game that people just don't, yeah. don't put into play. Yeah, and I think my, one of your questions was how do you improve uh, visualization? Well, certainly a lot less self-talk and a lot more visual, pure visual pictures and making that as one of the points they need to do just for a few holes. Can you do that without talking to yourself? Can yeah. you just operate off of a visual picture and not, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm a little biased on this and may make a little people unhappy again, but the way we coach, we coach to think about what the elbow feels, what the stride feels. And then when it comes to sports psychology, we talk about talking to ourselves and telling ourselves we're great and telling ourselves we're this and that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm great, but I'm not going to be good all the time. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, it's, it's creating that good visual plan of attack to whatever, you know, shooting, to driving, to, to hitting, to, to blocking, whatever, whatever it is, is creating a good visual plan of attack and have the good visual skills to be able to do it. Yeah, no, exactly right. And so we're out there beating the bushes trying to, to get people to be aware. Um, it's amazing, though, you know, teaching golf and, and really putting right now, how few players actually come to me for the mental side of the game. And yet, as you know, back in the, in the sports festivals, back at the Olympic Training Center where I started the visual testing and performance laboratory as a first director and with armed forces and secret service and every other sport been kind of known much more as a visual mental doctor except in golf <laughs> so as a once again it's a big dichotomy from uh, most of the other sports and golf yeah so craig as we wrap this up because you know I, I tell people i could talk forever and have long conversations um tell everyone a little bit um because you know some who are you know familiar with you some that aren't um, you have a doctor, you have a couple books we talked about. Um, I know you spend, um, you know, you live in two places in the year, but you also do some traveling and tell a little bit about what you do from your clinics and where you go and, and how people can get in touch with you. 
Well, sure. I'm teaching at the Palms Golf Club, which, as you can imagine, shut down right now in La Quinta, California. So I'm there pretty much from uh, September through May. Uh, take a few trips here and there. Uh, some to Italy. I was supposed to go to Belgium uh, last week, <laughs> or next week, sorry. And um, uh, Italy, I, we go there, and I, and I actually had two trips uh, designed for China a year, but uh, <laughs> that's way down the list. So um, we do clinics at different clubs around the country during the summertime in golf. Um, I do um, a lot of private lessons at the Palms and uh, teach, generally speaking, um, putting skills, visual skills that relate. And then we spend several hours, if we can, on the uh, practice tee talking about concentration. And if the players want to really get into it, getting into a lot of skill drills that they can do at home, which I think are important, but amazing how few golfers really ask for that. But uh, we do clinics um, generally. You do some certifications too, correct? Yeah. What's that? You do some certifications? Yeah. So um, right now we've opened up an online certification class, um, first of a kind for putting. And uh, so they can go online and, and either purchase the entire package or uh, as golf instructors, they can purchase six videos at a time. Um, right now, about the, that's the only thing we're really starting to do with that and uh, the training aids. I probably go to the do a FedEx about three to four times a week to uh, fulfill orders. So that's about the big thing going on right now. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, we're at a time that there's not, you know, we can't be out and doing the things we want to be doing and working on the things we do them. But this is a great opportunity for athletes of all sports, all ages to be working on the visual side of the game. They can do things at home. They can spend visualizing, uh, uh, spend time getting their visual act be more efficient there's there's so many things they can be doing where you know even talking about those pro golfers earlier is they get caught up in there i gotta get my swing i gotta get this i gotta you know feel they, they don't have time to do it right now they can work on some things and how they use their eyes and their mind and their body to be more efficient now yeah. i have someone asked a question about uh youth baseball uh favorite uh favorite drills for youth baseball players 10 to 12 years old and um <laughs> It's it's a good 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 question. Uh, I don't know if I have 100% favorite drills because it depends a little bit on the time, the energy, and what what we're trying to accomplish. And this is every sport. Simple things is working on hand coordination, whether it's little wiffle balls, you know, hitting little wiffle balls or little beans, or we use these uh, these discs that are like bottle caps that we can fling and they can work on hitting them and tracking them and hitting them. Um, even uh, balls with numbers and things we'll use. You know, those are some of the, the, the drills, per se, that you can do to interact a little bit. But also there's the skill sets of, of speed of recognition, depth perception, uh, visual processing skills that can also be, be part of that as well. Do, they, do you have a, uh, some things that players can get online, some uh, depending on sports, et cetera, they can get from uh, your perspective? Yeah, well, you know, as, as you know, my dad, he was obviously very creative. Uh, which was a fault of his. Um, I, I have a, a, a huge uh, file system of a bunch of creative ideas that he had, but we do have some training products, as you know, uh, that we use with a lot of our college teams and pro players that are individualized. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things he did a really good job is understanding the team environment and really getting good at, at doing that. So we do have stuff on our slow the game down and we do have on our NDV performance site, uh, some charts that we're using the interactive eye movements and, and physical movements and, um, you know, visual decision-making skill sets. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff out there that can be really good. Yeah. So getting it through slow the game down.com. Yeah. 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 And ours is puttdoctor.com. And uh, we have a bunch of training, the tools that relate to uh, putting and um, hopefully can get into a lot much more concentration stuff as uh, that's my main goal down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, Craig, I appreciate you coming on. It's uh, you know, we've known each other. I don't even know how long, but I know for a very long time. And, um, you know, I know my dad had you do a lot of things with him that you guys had a lot of great trips and a lot of experience out there. And I think doctors out there, I think coaches, uh, I think it's a it's a great time to get educated and more opportunities to to learn a little bit more and understand that vision training is not just, you know, can you see is one or two better. Um, And (laughs) it's not just a software program but it's a mindset and, and, you know, it's, it's the techniques, it's the tactics, it's the skills, it's the clarity. They're all in, encompassing and can be very, uh, you know, beneficial to any athlete of any age or any skill set that wants to take their game to another level. Amen. And uh, keep, keep getting the word out because uh, it's amazing that almost uh, 100% of the athletes that you work with, it, you're not quite sure how it connected and how it related, but it's amazing how much more they go this way and you try and explain it and it's hard to explain and even for them, but um, the proof's in the pudding. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, appreciate it. Anything else you want to add? or? Well, no, I, I just thank you for the opportunity. Um, appreciate uh, seeing you again and Warren and uh, look forward to uh, uh, maybe working together down the road some while. Yeah, definitely. And anyone who wants to reach out to us has more. Uh, there's a slide up that's got uh, Craig's email address on there. It's got my email address and Warren's email address. And, um, you know, love to be helpful to you and, and um enjoyed this conversation. So everyone have a great day and stay safe. And, you know, hopefully sooner or later, we may be wearing masks, but we'll be out on that course and out in the sport field fairly soon. Um, Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much.